G'day there and welcome to 2022. I want to send out a particularly uh, warm welcome to our online community. Uh, normally we are just giving you the service from our within our in-person services, but this week we had a bit of a glitch with our video recording and so I wanted to make sure that this message went out uh, in albeit a bit of a truncated form, just to ensure that those, and there are so many of us right now in this, uh, these weeks, um, really forced to isolate because of the latest uh, developments in the pandemic. And so we want to make sure that those in our community are still staying up to date and we can reach out to you. And so we're going to augment our services um, for the next few weeks, particularly while so many are isolating and provide for you uh, an in-person sort of experience, uh, me to you, as we bring the, uh, the current series that I really believe is a word from God for us, for the church. And uh, I just didn't want any of us to miss out. And so 2022 has come and while I was praying over Christmas, uh, there was all sorts of things I wanted to do through January with our church, but really felt very strongly to bring uh, a, a word in season from Isaiah. And that was confirmed on Sunday morning, just as I was about to get up to preach. We uh, have some people that we know and love that are outside of our church who prophetically pray for us. And they sent through a message saying, just have a real sense that this passage from Isaiah, the one verse that I was speaking on today, they didn't know that. Uh, is a verse that I need to really bring forward to our church. And so I'm really looking forward to do that. It's from Isaiah chapter 43, verse 18 to 19. You will have heard it before, but I want to give it some context for then and for now and really talk about all things new, because I think we're coming into a season now where God is doing something new, despite the fact that the world just feels like it's in turmoil, there's change, there's tension, there's polarization, all those things going on. And it's gone on now for two years. And some are wondering whether it will ever change what life will look like. But I think God is doing what he does in a sense where he calls out that which is not as if it already is and invites his people to walk into that space, to begin to change the way they're thinking, not to be constrained by what is or what was, but fix their hearts on what's coming and what's been promised for them. Have a listen to it from Isaiah 43, verse 18 and 19. Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I'm making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. And this is a very relevant verse, and I'm always very hesitant to bring a prophetic verse uh, out of context. But the context that this scripture was given to the original Hebrews in its day was uh, very pivotal and, uh, and had so many similarities to what we're going through now. They were This was spoken by Isaiah to the Israelites uh, who were kept in captivity in Babylon at that time. The lower kingdom had not been taken in, uh, but the Israelis, uh, Israel kingdom had gone into captivity. And God was calling them back out again, offering them uh, what is theologians call a new exodus. Because the preceding verses, which you may well know from Isaiah 43, God says, you know, when you go through the waters, I'll be there and they won't swamp over you. Very, a real nodding back to the Red Sea experience where they went through the waters. God was with them and the waters didn't touch them. And so he was calling his people out again, even while they were still very much embedded in the Babylonian system there. They couldn't get out just now, but God was calling that which is not as if it already was. And he was saying, lift the way you think. Do you not perceive what I'm doing? Can you not see it? And that's the invitation to you and I as well. Do we not see it? So what I want to do over the next few weeks is really brighten the light somewhat on our Christian future. Have a bit of a quick look at where we are right now. 
but where I think it's going to be going. And this gives us real tools to equip us in how to do that. And today I want to start that equipping by defining reality and making sure we know that there are some things in our life when everything is changing, there are some things we must hang on to because regardless of our future, uh, the future won't make sense unless these core elements of our life are hung on to very well. So let's have a look about what our current reality is, what's, what's been happening the last couple of years, particularly in church world. The, our world, you know, the local church, which has come under so much pressure. The first thing to note there is that the hunger for spiritual things uh, by Australians has not waned over the last two years, five years, even the last 20 years. Because church numbers have begun to wane in some ways, people have thought that spiritual hunger is waning, but it hasn't. It stayed exactly where it is. People are in every survey that, that we can read uh, credible data on is saying that hunger and the desire to understand the eternal, the spiritual, to know about God uh, by unbelievers out there is still strong, as strong as it's ever been. Their hunger for church as we've done it is not as strong as it's ever been, which means we need to perceive and work with God and work with people that God's calling to maybe reshape uh, some significant things about how churches are going. Some key numbers there. Uh, when you look at the um, what's happened through COVID, COVID provided a real circuit breaker for people who were in a bit of a rhythm of going to church. So even though some people had waned away, uh, others were just hanging in there. And so COVID then accelerated a trend uh, and, and gave people permission to stay at home. And so in many churches, particularly in the USA, uh, they're seeing stats where their attendance now in this sort of transitioning out of COVID period for them is 50% uh, of what it was. That's a significant shift in the way churches look and the way they can do church. It puts pressure on Christian leaders. Um, it puts pressure on them that they weren't trained for, that they didn't sign up for. And so many Christian leaders are dropping out stressed. Um, the, the, the proportion of Christian leaders now who are just saying, this, this new scenario is just not for me. So that's putting a lot of pressure now on churches to be able to sustain, be sustainable and keep their models going the way they were. And so uh, we're, we're finding in the US particularly that churches, um, up to 30% of churches in the US this year are expected to become unviable in the way they run. Uh, now this isn't necessarily bad news, it's just very disruptive and very painful. But in the long run, the phoenix will rise from the ashes with the church. The church will reinvent itself in a way that it must be to meet the needs of the current society. The other trend that's obviously happening, and this is an example of that, is that teaching is, is going online. People are getting more and more content online. And not so much live, but on demand. We do this with our entertainment, we do it with Netflix or Disney or Prime, whatever you may watch there. We watch, it, we watch what we want, when we want. And people are now doing that with their content, particularly if that content is just information. It's very different if it's equipping, very different if it's transformational. But if it's just information, they'll be going online. And even if they normally attend the church, if those people are going online, the stats will tell us that they're looking at between four and 10 other sources for content as well as their own church. That's significant because they're getting the very, very best teachers globally uh, into their lounge rooms every Sunday. And so the local church shouldn't need, uh, shouldn't feel compelled, like, I guess, to try and compete with that, but rather fit in a different space in the sort of content that we're delivering. We're seeing over the last 20 years, 25 years, that life rhythms for Queenslanders, for Australians, has significantly shifted. 
When I became a Christian in the early 1980s, it was just assumed that the Christian went to church every Sunday. Uh, and if you were committed, it was twice on Sunday. We didn't question that. That's just the way things were. And we all did that. I loved it. I couldn't get enough of church. These days, it's somewhat different. Uh, people will be coming uh, between two and four times a month to church. And a lot of it can be impacted by their uh, extra busyness that they have in their in their work, the fact that work is often at home as well, and so there's hard to differentiate, hard to turn off. But also the dynamic that we can't escape in Australia, particularly in Queensland, is children and sport. Children and sport now have become such a, a, a huge part of our uh, normal way of growing up our kids, and that is often happening on a Sunday morning. And so parents have this incredible quandary. They wanna love and bless their kids and give them great peer relationships, positive experiences through sports and so. And the, the price they pay then is uh, church attendance on a Sunday morning, for example. And so we can't fight that now. We've got to work with that. We've got to find new ways to meet God's people where they're at and when they're at, uh, when we can do that. And so this presents uh, real challenges for us. Finally, the last uh, trend that we're seeing is that um, people are more connected than they've ever been connected. I say that loosely. They're more connected in networks through social media and so on. And yet, they've never been in history more lonely. We're more connected than ever. We have hundreds, maybe thousands of uh, friends or associates on social media, and yet more lonely than we've ever been. The average Australian is spending between six and 10 hours per week looking at their phone screen. Goodness knows what we're looking at. Uh, we can't just keep saying it's email. There's only so much email comes through. And, this, and those stats are, are telling because it's not just uh, the younger generation. Uh, the 40s, 50s and 60s, their hourly rates per week aren't that much lower. So there's no finger pointing to be done there. Um, this is significant. We're, we're going online uh, with our experience of life. Uh, but what that means is we're less connected in reality. So we're, we're more judged, we're more self-judging than we've ever been, but we don't know how to have real vulnerable relationships. We don't know what context to do that because time is compressed. So we don't have those normal networks where we discover friendship, grow new friends. All we have is this paper thin experience of social media. So what this does, and here's where I wanna drill down on this because there's a real significance to this dynamic and it's not new. It's new in the, in the ways we're doing it, but this dynamic of change, of shifting, of uh, the social dynamics, they've come and go many times over the centuries, and there's much we can learn from that. But what often happens is that this is, it feels like a revolution, but in a sense it's an evolution because it takes time. But there are dynamics that people like you and I go through, and there are three key ones that you may relate to that you're going through at this time. First one is disappointment. Just a sense of general disappointment with life. And sometimes that's because the life that we grew up in, that had with it all its expectations of how it will look and the sort of paths that we will take, They've all gone. And then we're left with this other world. We're left with this world where we don't quite know where it's going and, and how to plan ahead. And so there's this pervasive disappointment. I remember seeing a study 15 years ago done by a very large corporation looking at what was then Gen Y coming through. And it already had labeled them the disappointed generation because they'd grown up and we used to always have a go at them about being so entitled and, and all of that kind of thing. But what's happening is now the baby boomers and the Gen Xers, they're all beginning to retire. That needs to be funded by somebody. And so what's gonna happen is those Gen Ys who've had such a privileged upbringing, now they're gonna to have to bear the weight uh, of supporting that older generation. And added to all that are such changes of the environment, geopolitics, 
uh, energy, all those sorts of things. And so they're really going to have a hard time and we need to get behind Gen Ys and those coming up behind them because the disappointment with that life is pervasive and very impacting. The other thing besides disappointment that we have to grapple with is the aloneness of our life. Uh, as I said, we're the most judged and self-judged uh, generation I think the world has ever seen because of just the way social media particularly has its, has its likes or its don't likes and all that kind of thing. And so uh, there's the, the fundamental networking of relationships has come under strain. We have less and less real relationships, more and more sort of false relationships, and it results in us becoming quite alone. And thirdly, as a result of all that, just raw tiredness, tiredness. I remember uh, when the futurists were saying as tech was beginning to grow through the late 80s and through the 90s, all this technology is going to give us more and more leisure time. I don't know about you, but that leisure time hasn't come for me. All it's done is mean that more and more can be done in whatever context I happen to be in at that time. And so we're exhausted. We're exhausted from politics. We're exhausted from the polarization of the pandemic. We're exhausted from just about everything. The, the exhausted middle ground is where most of us sit. And so these three dynamics of dis disappointment, aloneness, and tiredness really do make a thing. But this is common, and it's going to go. And God's calling us into a new thing and an exciting thing. And uh, if you look at that verse again in Isaiah 43, where he says, forget the former things. Don't dwell on them. It's time for us to shift our mind because there's something about our perception now, the way we choose to think, that's going to determine the state of our heart in so many ways and whether we can pick up on what it is that God's actually doing. But changing our mind will position us to uh, perceive and map out this change of circumstance that God's doing. See, what we're experiencing is quite normal for what would be termed, what history is probably going to term a revolution. Uh, in Christian world, it may, it may even, and history will do this, I very much hesitate to label these things, but a reformation, another sort of reformation of uh, the church world. And I don't say that lightly, but if you look at it seriously, the, we're seeing the greatest shift in communications than we have in 500 years since the printing press and Luther, the last Reformation. This online shift that we're going to is, is incredible. The, the, one, the Reformation before that was Jesus himself coming. And there was, again, a shift in communications and a, and a few other factors that just changed the world and changed the way God's people, their, his ecclesia, function together. There are certain catalyt catalytic things that create these revolutionary or in life whether we're living them they're more evolutionary because we're experiencing them over a period of time if it was an industrial revolution for example uh, we'd be experiencing changes in communications and energy and logistics these things come together and they shift and we we look back and think it happens very very quickly uh, but if you look at the last two industrial revolutions and we're now 20 years into the third these happened over about 40 to 60 years we call them a revolution but for those living in them they were an evolution. They were experiencing tension as life changed, as life seemed to evolve for them. It was a constant state of change over the whole of their lifetime. It wasn't over weeks uh, or even a year. And so we need to navigate those sort of times because we're now 20 years into one of those again now as those same catalytic factors of, of new forms of energy, new forms of communication and new forms of logistics do a comprehensive shift for our world. You know, the, the spiritual revolution as well, what we would call a reformation, um, if that's indeed what we're experiencing now. What it means is because now church is fundamentally, as you are right now, online, uh, online's here to stay. And yet people love in-person gatherings. We'll never, that will never get old. They're not going anywhere soon. 
but we need to augment that with this sort of environment so God's people can connect, be informed and be equipped and so on. And so this first stage of these evolution or, or reformation sort of uh, periods require us to be very informed if we are to perceive these things that God is doing. So we need to make sure what is it that's being jettisoned in our life, but what is it that needs to stay the same? And what I'd like to do is just draw straight down on Scripture now and look at an experience of the Emmaus walkers in Luke 24. They were going through uh, what was the greatest upheaval of God's people uh, to that date that had ever been seen. The, in Luke 24, the scene where the Emmaus walkers, it's the very day that Jesus has risen from the dead. It's actually the greatest day in all of creation. But these two guys couldn't have been more depressed. They couldn't have been more scattered, more confused and more disillusioned. And so we begin to see how Jesus himself comes into that situation. As I'm praying, he comes into your situation and provides again the anchors that we need to get us through what we need to get through and to, and to change the way we perceive things so our outlook is what he's bringing. And so he came along beside these Emmaus walkers. He sort of snuck up behind them and said, hey guys, what are you talking about? Sounds a bit depressing, you know. And, and they begin to share, don't, don't you know what's happened? Didn't you hear what's going on? And, and then Jesus begins to open up from the scriptures, which obviously he knows from memory. He's not carrying them around in his uh, back sack or anything. He just starts sharing from scriptures and starts giving them the truth. And he ends up saying to these two walkers, you know, after they've given him the sob story of, of how bad life is, while he knows it's just never been a better day. He says, how foolish you are. How slow to believe all the prophets have spoken. And then he unzipped obviously, all the truth of Scripture. And this began to shift their mind. And then as Jesus uh, left them, they decided to go back to their, um, their old uh, friends, the disciples, and, and you know, reset the compass a little bit. It's just an interesting response. Once Jesus' presence returned to their life, once truth returned to their life, the next step for them was to return to community. And they said, didn't our hearts burn? Didn't our hearts burn? And, and when he was talking to us, weren't we reminded again of all these things? And, and our hearts, what that's talking about there is courage and faith and passion and optimism. Didn't they return when Jesus was with us? Didn't they return when he spoke again this truth to us? And these are the sorts of elements that you and I need to grasp right now. And so we need to learn what Jesus taught them to hold on to what must stay. The first thing we hold on to is what Jesus brought to them, himself, Jesus' presence. In a time of confusion and tension and trouble, tiredness, all the stuff that we're going through, God's presence is the primary thing we need to make sure we don't jettison through this time. This is not the time to try doing this on your own and without God. He hasn't left you. He couldn't be any closer to you. But we need to uh, as Isaiah said, do you not perceive this? We need to change the way we think and, and lean into Jesus and his presence at this time. Next thing he did with the Emmaus walkers was truth. He, he taught them from the scriptures. He said, hey, don't forget those really few anchors of what we know is true. What many are doing now is, is deconstructing their faith. They're deconstructing it and they're not coming out well. Because a lot of them have had perceptions of scripture or truth that were not necessarily based on good teaching, good doctrine, good theology, all these sorts of things. So what's happened is, what happened to these guys? They, they've separated themselves. They've ceased to lean into Jesus relationally and they've lent on their own understanding. They've tried to reinterpret scripture and they've, and they've come up wanting. But Jesus brings us back to truth. Remember what is true. Remember what you know. And for the Christian, what we need to remember 
Regardless of how confused we are about how we identify and try and understand who God is right now, Jesus said, if you want to know who God is, look at me. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Whatever it is that you think about God, if it doesn't line up with who Jesus is, it's up for question. Because who he is, is the absolute perfection, the representation of God, the scriptures say. He said, if you've seen me, now you know what God's like. What did Jesus do? How did he respond to people like you and I? He gave grace. He gave healing. He gave an offer of abundant life. That is who God is. And so if we're trying to reframe our life, come back to those anchors of truth. Some of us need to rebury ourselves into the Gospels and just remind ourselves, who is this Jesus? Because this Jesus is our God. And then finally, we do what the Emmaus walkers did. We get back in the community. Community has been scattered for the last couple of years. Now's the time to come back to church, come back to in-person gatherings. This is great. We'll keep doing this. But this augments in-person gatherings. It doesn't replace it. And so we need to get back. We need to find our church, find our people. When you find your people, you've found your purpose. And so these three things we must come back to. No matter what else is before us in the future, if we want to be able to perceive it well, we need to uh, lean into the presence of God. We need to remind ourselves of truth. And we need to uh, re-embed ourselves with community. The other thing besides those three, obviously, is to embrace the liminal moment. We need to embrace this moment that we're in. People struggle because we go through change, and change for us feels like pain. And that pain often results from the fear of what we're going to lose. We want to hang on to what we've got. And that, that hanging on... Um, almost prevents us from seeing what's coming because our hands are full of what was, even though it's dissolving away with us. And so Isaiah 43, again, Jesus says, you know, forget the former things. Do you not perceive what's coming? And so the liminal moment, I mean, it, it, we're ushered into it while we're still in the past. It's almost like we have a foot still in the past, but we're asked to have the other foot towards the future. But having that foot in the past means I'm still going to feel the yuck of this present moment. The pain that I'm in, that's not going to go away. The circumstances that I'm in, they're still there. You know, you might be in relational challenges or employment challenges. You might be going through, goodness knows what, a lot of us are going through incredible upheaval and change. There might be death in the family, uh, uh, all sorts of problems that we're facing. The pain of that doesn't go away just because we take a step forward. The first season of the liminal moment requ requires us to uh, know and understand, recognize that discomfort. Because it doesn't necessarily go straight away. All we're doing is setting our trajectory and we're beginning to lean in to the new moment. The pain of my past is still with me through the first steps into my positive future. And so in this early steps of the in-between, we need to understand that I hang on to that which can never change. The community, the truth, the presence of Jesus. And don't be too upset or worried about the tension and the pain that you're feeling, the discomfort right now. We're in the middle of the high watermark of this pandemic right now. Apparently, it's never been any worse. And yet God's offering a future. And so our mind and our hearts are set on that. But we're recognizing the discomfort of this moment, especially for those who are isolating at home right now. And so for those who are tired, he offers presence. It's nothing like God's presence to restore your soul, to give you courage and strengthen you again. To those who are disappointed, often the disappointment comes because that what we thought was true is not true. To those who are disappointed, he brings truth back. He says, remember what is actually true. Remember what's not up for question, who Jesus is, and he is God. And for those who are alone, he offers community. So it's fascinating. The three things that this liminal moment 
forces us and challenges us with the tiredness, the disappointment and the aloneness. He offers himself, he offers his truth and he offers his people. My prayer for you this week is that you would just have the strength and the courage to perceive what the new thing is for your life. We're going to talk over the next few weeks into how to embrace that, some real concrete steps and how to really embed that in your life. But these are the first three important things. Lean into Jesus, lean into scripture and lean into God's people. Bless you now. I'll be praying for you this week. I hope to see you again in church soon. If uh, you haven't been to our church yet, why don't you go online to our church at kenmore.church forward slash connect or you'll see the yellow footprints anywhere on our website at kenmore.church and fill in the connect card. I'd love to make contact with you. And uh, we're going to probably show a few announcements after this clip to show you what we're about. So I look forward to seeing you soon. I bless you and we'll be praying for you this week. Bye for now.